The following podcast is for healthcare professionals only. All views expressed belong to our speakers and don't necessarily reflect those of Nestle Health Science. Hello and welcome to Inside Medical Nutrition Podcast, a podcast powered by Nestle Health Science and hosted by me, Dr. Linya Patel. We are doing a career support series and in today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by a freelance dietitian, Anina Whip. Well, hi, Anina. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Um, and so we're doing a couple of podcasts on career support. And I must confess, before um, I we jumped on to record this podcast, I was doing a little bit of Googling to find out a little bit about you. And I'm really looking forward um, to finding out all the different types of work that you do. Um, but let's dive straight in. So other than, mm-hmm. and you know, I found out that you like swimming in the sea, but other than swimming in the sea, um, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about yourself. For example, why did you want to get into dietetics? Yeah, so um, I've been a registered dietitian for over five years now, uh, and I've been lucky enough to work in both the private hospital sector and the NHS and freelancing. Um, so within a range of specialties in adults and paediatrics. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of first fell in love with dietetics. I think I came from quite a sporty background. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a competitive swimmer. Um, and it was kind of, you know, finding out in my late teens that nutrition really made a difference between wow. how you, you know, how you compete. Um, we worked with a nutritionist. Um, and I think from there, I sort of found out, wow, you know, I can, I can marry the two of sort of food um, and performance um, and then to find out that it affects health as well so yeah that's what drew me in. Okay so you studied dietetics and then did you go the traditional NHS route first? Yeah initially I sort of uh, worked with NHS during my studies I worked within um, for a private hospital as a dietetic assistant as well mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. up all that experience to so work with them for a while and then um had my first sort of vampire NHS job um and, and what was that there, in uh so my first job was in uh stroke so it's in okay. a, a large stroke unit in London um and I think I mean that was great because you saw everything as a band five from sort of uh cheap feeding to sort of um nutrition support uh yeah. you know it really laid down the foundation yeah yeah okay so then you did uh, the stroke but and then talk me through so after that is when you continued working in the NHS and then you went into freelance yeah so I worked for the NHS a little bit longer and um, I always knew that I wanted to get into pediatrics um so that was that was the aim um really fortunate to get uh, a band six post in pediatrics and I think that's when I started um you know I felt confident I had you know I was building up my experience within the NHS and I felt mm-hmm. confident to branch out into into the world of freelancing. Fantastic um, and so at the moment what's your balance like how many days do you do you still do some clinical work in the NHS or do you do still freelance or are you fully freelance? Yeah that's a good question um, so at the moment I'm just starting back from maternity leave so it's all oh, it's all new navigating fantastic. sort of balancing baby freelance and NHS but uh, my split is at the moment it's um, a few days of the NHS and a, a couple of days freelancing. Okay and and, and um, tell me a little bit about your freelance work what type of work are you in- involved in? Yeah so I've been really lucky actually to work in sort of quite a few diverse product projects. I first got started I think I worked for a um, tech company while I was at uni so I've always been a bit interested in how 
tech and healthcare can work together. Um, so I first came across the US-based company created mm-hmm. sort of an intelligent eating platform and sort wow. of um, worked with them with sort of behavioural coaching and recipe analysis. And okay. um, luckily, I've sort of moved into, I've always loved writing. Um, I first sort of um, did my pre-dietetics was sort of in did a lot of writing so I'd always wanted to to merge those two together um and I've been really lucky enough to work with um sort of medical brands in writing up uh patient literature um Mm. the sort of real kind of new innovative products which yeah has been really great Mm. um recently have been working on a um a helping a medical nutrition company build a website dedicated to parents and families with cheap red children um, oh. and I think that's been great for me because I think it's so lovely to be able to use your sort of clinical expertise and your skill set and reach yeah. families on a on a real big scale so we can yeah. reach quite a few families at once um, yeah so there's just a just a few and sort of a lot of recipe development using um uh, using sort of formulas and and um, blended food, blended diet as well. Mm. So there's a whole new sort of move towards blended diet there. So I've worked closely with um, medical nutrition companies working together on recipes and again with sort of um, patient literature. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds that. super interesting. All oh, very super interesting. Now I'm really curious because. I know that in the world of dietetics, collaboration with industry is something that maybe is a little bit daunting for us dietitians. Um, So how have you found this um, kind of journey? Because you're doing a lot now with um, more industry. Oh, you're right. I think initially I was one of them and I felt sort of industry was a bit of a scary place to be in. Mm. Um, But I sort of felt passionate that you know dietitians maybe we're not always great at showcasing our abilities and our skill set um and we've had four years of education and that's before our clinical sort of work so I thought if we or if I didn't get out there and sort of work collaboratively with industry using my own skill set you know someone else will absolutely Um, so I think it's you know it's really important to to jump in the deep end and and give it a go and actually my my experience with industry has been hugely positive you know I think yeah. it's it's you know they they we, yes we've got a skill set but industry have got you know skills and resources that you know are just um you can really tap into and work together yeah. and it works really well yeah no absolutely and I think you know before you mentioned the fact that what you love is you're doing um, the translation of nutrition information, but on a much bigger scale because you have that opportunity to work with industry, which I think is important. And I think sometimes as dietitians, I don't know if you agree with me, Anina, is, is that um, we, we we have a lot of translatable skills. So even though we're, we're starting off clinically, a lot of those skills can then actually be used within um, industry. And I think we, as dietitians, we need to, as you say, um, start really getting confident about using some of the skills that we've got um, and translating them into them being used for then being involved with industry or um, uh, other organizations like that as well. What would you say then would be maybe some of the challenges of working with industry? Um, I think there are some sort of challenges and limitations. I think um, regulatory affairs for me has been a difficult area to navigate. I think 
um, sort of branching out on your own maybe as a freelancer can be a bit daunting because you mm. you, you need to know that what you're doing is evidence-based um, and that you're remaining within your remit mm. um, but I've found that sort of companies that with their own in-house regularity departments have been really helpful so you learn a lot from them and mm. it's sort of a safety net to have um, and I do think it's really important that whatever work you're doing and whatever whatever client you're working with that you've always got that sort of dietetic HCPC hat on and mm. um, you know we're fortunate to be able to sort of critically appraise information and pick out the good from the bad and mm. um, so I think it's really our responsibility as healthcare professionals to sort of pre- present and provide evidence-based information mm. um, and for me you know that sometimes means having those conversations with clients um, and being sort of you know open with communication setting expectations about sort of what you what you can say and um, mm. no you know, absolutely you've raised such on. really important points yeah so you know I think being freelance it is it is a bit lonelier because you don't have a team necessarily around you so perhaps um, finding that network um, and sometimes that network then comes, as you said, if you're working within industry, they very often will have teams within their organizations that you can tap into. Um, and especially when you work, I guess, with the bigger organizations as well, they're going to want to be compliant, right? So that, that you can kind of work alongside. Maybe it'll be a bit different if you're working for a startup where they don't yeah. have that um, in-house uh, level of expertise. Um, and I don't know, do you know if there's training that maybe dietitians can do to upskill themselves to become um, more um, uh, savvy with what is going on in terms of regulatory affairs? Um, I think there definitely is. I know sort of the BDA offer media training and I think part of that is looking at regulatory affairs. But for me, I've done sort of, you know, looked at a sort of a couple of online courses just to brush up in the area that you're working on, whether mm. that's sort of... Um, you know infant formula or sort of certain food food products that's really been helpful so there's definitely sort of look around there definitely are ways to to brush up on your skills but I think you're right I think the differences between sort of small startups um versus sort of you know larger sort of real Mm. um established um, medical companies that some do have their in-house regularity teams and some don't so and that is a challenge to sort of work around I think yeah. You know, Anina, the other thing that's um, just, just come to my head as well is uh, you've been freelance and you found some really good opportunities to tap into, which is absolutely brilliant. And sometimes um, perhaps it's not that easy to find opportunities. So how have you looked for opportunities, particularly with industry or have they just come um, landed in your lap or have you been proactive about getting them? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think um, it is all about being proactive and just sort of you know uh, asking questions talking with people retaining contacts mm. uh, I think the the biggest thing I did initially I wanted to get into writing so it was to build up your portfolio sort of mm. offering to write um you know to, to do some if there's any sort of writing you can do for free um to sort of build up my portfolio that way um and then it I think it is all about contact and it's sort of retaining those and um, asking, you know, asking if there are any other uh, projects or in the pipeline and um, sort of saying yes, being open to opportunities. I mean, some mm. things that feel that might be a bit scary or out of your comfort zone, um, but always kind of pushing yourself to sort of take on that extra project on that next bit of work. But unfortunately, there's not 
fallen into my lap. It, it's a yeah. case of sort of getting out you, there, being proactive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think you know that that's half the fun of it because you I've met so many incredible sort of people. You know, both dietitians that work in industry and um, you know sort of people that work in PR that I had no idea about that world. So I think it is you know it opens up your it opens up your world yeah so importance of networking and um, also the importance of being proactive um, with the networks that you actually have Um, and I don't know what tips you have for um, that freelance journey but I remember because I'm freelance myself as well and I always ask myself "Mm, you know would I have done something differently and I think maybe I launched straight into it when like full-time work to full-time freelance and boy was that a learning curve and so one of the tips that I would have always uh, give people who ask me about going freelance is maybe finding a nice transition so maybe it's not so much of a financial shock for example so maybe keeping on some clinical work if you have the luxury of being able to do that and then uh, you know dipping into freelance work and as you build up your networks perhaps um, then kind of launching into it full-time would you agree with that oh definitely and uh, I think that's what I've sort of tried to do I think um I love my NHS work and I think uh, you learn so much I mean Mm. it's not something that can be learned elsewhere the pace of things it's sort of changing it's quite a rapid place sort of environment to work within and I think you just learn so much without even realizing it necessarily yeah, so no, I think totally. having that as a as a background and how keeping your foot in the door and doing something you love if that if you are lucky to still do that and if you do enjoy it I, th- I definitely think there is a balance to be found between both um, totally. and I would yeah well, sorry would you like to add anything else I was cutting you I, yeah no I was just thinking about your question about sort of any other tips um, I think it's just thinking about what you you are really passionate about and what you enjoy I think some of my sort of early freelancing days started from passion projects sort of um quite early on I found that mums were sort of or parents were sort of overwhelmed with the wealth of information out there about weaning their their baby mm. um, and some of which sadly is not always you know clinicians would recommend and I remember sort of thinking what can I do um so sort of started up a little sort of weaning workshop and did those Brilliant. for a while and I mean it was very small scale it was um you know I did it myself but actually it sort of gave me a real confidence that there are you know thing you know people want this information and you can sort of you we are fortunate in being able to provide it and translate science into sort of um simple advice um that's appreciated so I think and I love doing that um so I think it's finding out what you really love what you enjoy yeah, and sort of working tip. from there and it and then it never becomes a chore it's always something you know I always find write, writing is always sort of a pleasure I love it so it's sort yeah. of thinking what you can do and um, yeah. you know to turn your freelance work into a, almost a hobby yeah no love that absolutely love that and then the other thing that I I sometimes think myself is is because um, I had um, a graduate recently ask me about going freelance and they were thinking about going freelance straight from graduation and I was actually saying to them I don't know how you feel about this is actually I'm really thankful for the time that I had in the NHS because it gave me the exposure that I needed to then um, develop some confidence in nutrition in different aspects of nutrition because a lot of band five or the band six jobs are rotational which then for me I feel in my journey of being coming freelance has really given me the confidence to then springboard into the work that I'm doing 
Um, but I think that it's different now, right? Because of Instagram and the fact that perhaps you can maybe go straight into freelance, whereas when I was um, a newly graduate, that didn't really exist. Um, mm. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. And I, I don't know how you felt, but it was almost a bit... Um, there was almost sort of, it was always felt quite negative to go straight into freelance. Yeah. It was almost felt like, well, you've got to do your your duty, you sort of, you know, you need to be responsible and do your NHS time almost before you branch out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the way I looked at it. I sort of saw that, you know, even from placement, I just thought you, you learn so much more than in, in our lectures while you're in placement. So working within the NHS, you do just soak it all up like a sponge and then, um, and you you learn things about you know guidelines change constantly so I know for myself when I'm doing writing having my sort of my NHS work I sort of know well there's a a new guideline published on that so I'll Mm. have to use that whereas I think if you were solely doing the writing it would be slightly slightly more challenging and that said you know I know so many people that have made sort of such successful freelance careers that the NHS you know it's not for everyone um but I think definitely getting that real foundation in at the start really helped Um, but you're right it does seem that there's a there's a shift now that you know you can always definite shift definite shift I mean the beauty of our of our profession is that there's so many different aspects we can go in right and just even talking to you it's fascinating because you know you're doing writing you're doing clinical uh, work you're doing collaborating with industry so um, it's really good uh, for more dietitians almost to be seen doing the diversity of work um, that we're doing at the moment um Nina in terms of your achievements which ones are you most proud of so far when it comes to your career oh gosh Um, I know a curveball I think I am proud of where I've got to in the NHS I've kind of you know I am proud of that side of my work um and I've learned like I keep saying I've just learned so much and I feel like it's incredible to be able to sort of still learn every day that you go into work so I'm kind of proud of that that I'm always learning um and I am sort of proud that I've you know proactively um met you know form relationships with industry with sort of medical companies and I've not been I think it would have been easy for me to be scared and thought oh no that's that's not a place for me but um by pushing myself out of my comfort zone I've it's been so rewarding you know I've learned so much from them and being able to reach sort of parents and families on such a big scale you know when you're in in clinical work it's sort of one-on-one but being able to sort of write literature or you know help with sort of hosting webinars you can really reach so many more Mm. um and again just impart that impart that knowledge which is all it ever comes down to I think we're so fortunate to yeah. um studied health and nutrition for for so long and it is such a, a topic yeah. I mean, it always feels like a, a current topic but even now you know parents and families are sort of so much more aware of how they feed their children um in my line of work anyway and sort of looking at types of ingredients you know um so it's it, it is so rewarding to be able to do that on a much larger scale yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're being very, very humble because, I mean, goodness me, you're a superwoman mum. You're a mum who's doing freelance work and NHS work. How do you get that balance right? Um, I think it's 
very much still a, a new <laughs> a new sort of I'm navigating it still um so it's very much sort of take each each project as as you go I mean like I don't know if you found it especially transitioning completely from NHS to, to freelance but you know work comes in waves it's it's yeah. not always it's not always sort of go 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 so it is it is being sort of able to at the moment sort of choose the projects that I take on and do the ones that I'm really sort of passionate about um and sort of know that you know there might be sort of long moments that then sort of lots of projects come on at at one at at once so it is very much sort of I'm still learning to navigate that sort of work balance and sort of not panicking if there isn't any sort of if yeah. there isn't any work around and sort of then going back to your networking and sort of yeah, speaking with no, people absolutely. to see um what's what's on the what's on the radar so yeah that's very much still a work in progress for me yeah well I guess I guess also the one of the benefits of being freelance particularly when you are a mum is the little bit of that flexibility as well right um which you do get so sometimes yeah, I know I'm sure it's full on, but I guess you've got a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, no, it's it's lovely to be able to be there for the nursery drop-ups and make the dinner, um, which yeah. you see, love, um, and then sort of crack on with some work in the evening. So, yeah, it's very much around sort of, um, yeah, flexibility, which I'm really, really fortunate and really grateful for. Fantastic. And so you still got any more time for all the activities that you like doing and swimming in the sea and all that jazz or...? Yeah, yeah. And no, I mean, it is always a little bit harder with a little one. But yeah, no, definitely. I think we're lucky um, sort of to be near some open water to definitely dip in um, now and again. And it helps, you know, just keep a clear head and keep my sort of um, physical and mental health as well. So that's definitely something that I'll keep on. Super important and super important to keep yeah. that balance. Well, Anina, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure talking about you and um uh, hearing about your journey and I'm sure lots of listeners are going to be very very inspired um, by your journey and just um, before we end um, what would your top tips be for any dietitians or perhaps student dietitians who are wanting to dabble more into the freelance world but more so um, wanting to get more connected with working in the industry? Uh, I think as I said before, find what you're passionate about, find a niche area, um, do something that you're, you know you're good at and that you enjoy, um, and then sort of reach out to, to sort of companies to, um, to sort of see if there's any projects that you mm. can take on. And doing things for sort of free initially is just one way to really grow your portfolio. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, it can be, I think you mentioned it can be quite isolating and it can be a bit of a lonely place to sort of grow your team as well. If you've got yeah. sort of people that, you know, colleagues that can sort of peer review your work, I mm. think that's a great idea. So it is all about contacts and it's just being brave and sort of, um, you know, keep knocking on those doors. They will get answered. And I think it is, you know, it's just really important just to keep pushing yourself if, if that's what you, your long term aim is. Fantastic. Great tips. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely. Ciao. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Medical Nutrition. If you enjoyed the podcast and found the content useful, please share it with your colleagues and consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. For more information on this topic or to share your feedback, please visit the Nestle Health Science N Plus Hub 
or click on the link in the show notes.